Welcome to a special episode of Bowel Sounds, the Pediatric GI Podcast, the official podcast of the North American Society for Pediatric Gastroenterology, Hepatology, and Nutrition. My name is Jennifer Lee. And I'm Peter Liu, and we are pediatric gastroenterologists at Nationwide Children's Hospital in Columbus, Ohio. So we have a very special episode today because we are going to be introducing the two candidates that are up for president for NASPGIN this year. So we had been planning to talk to uh, Dr. Miguel Saps and Dr. Jennifer Lightdale anyway for their own episodes in the future. But since we found out they were candidates, we thought we'd ask them some questions, um, do their interviews for their full episodes, which will come out later, and then take some of the questions that are related to them and NASPGIN and put it into a a bonus episode that we'll release at the time of the election. Or we're releasing right now. Yeah, that's released. <laughs> but um, it is important to know that we asked the questions to the candidates separately, and we're going to be splicing them together so that you could hear back-to-back the response from each candidate. Because all of our interviews are awkward, but this one sounds a little bit more awkward because they were spliced together. Also because you were primarily yeah, that's, writing the questions. I, yes. I'm just kidding. I take responsibility for all awkward Yes. So Dr. Jennifer Lightdale is a professor of pediatrics at University of Massachusetts Memorial Hospital in Boston, Massachusetts. She is an international expert in pediatric endoscopy and quality and safety related to endoscopy. Her online profile says that she's the chief of the division of GI there, as well as the chief quality officer. But we just found out that she has been appointed as the vice chair of pediatrics at that hospital. Very nice. So Dr. Miguel Saps, he is the Chief of Gastroenterology, Hepatology, and Nutrition at University of Miami in Miami, Florida. He is a professor of pediatrics there and also an endowed chair. He is uh, one of the leading authorities on all things related to pediatric functional GI disorders and uh, is a great guy. So she's also a great guy, woman. All right, on to the questions. Take us away, Peter. Dr. Miguel Saps, thank you so much for joining us on this episode of Bowel Sounds. Peter obviously knows you, but for me and some of our listeners, can you please describe yourself in one sentence? Wait, I don't Only like one sentence. sentence. <laughs> okay, just one sentence. I'm pretty complex, so to describe me, to summarize in one sentence is difficult, <laughs> but if I ask my wife, she can tell you the negative ones that there will be like three or four sentences. But as she's not here, let me tell you, I think I'm uh, hardworking. I'm highly energetic, as you can tell even by my voice now, how excited I am with this uh, podcast. Yep. I like innovation. Uh, I'm also a family man. I like to spend time with my family. And, uh, and I value a lot of friendship. I like to be with friends. I enjoy the... Um, uh, being with colleagues and with uh, mentees and uh, other people in the hospital. And I really try to have fun. I like to have fun with what I do. That was uh, like 50 sentences, but uh, that was a very nice description. So Dr. Lightdale, thank you so much for joining us on this episode of Bowel Sounds. How would you describe yourself in one sentence? No pressure. Oh, it's a tough, tough question. <laughs> um, actually, what I would say thinking about it is that I am a problem solver. It's just something I can't help myself and will do all the time, which drives my kids crazy, but makes my colleagues happy 
usually. <laughs> <laughs> so note to self, if we have problems, we know who to go to. Yes. Got Maybe. it. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> no, in honesty, I think solving problems is just something I seem to do almost instinctively. So other pain points or, or tricky situations that people aren't sure how to handle, I like to come up with some way of handling it and solving it. We're all members of NASPEGAN. This is a NASPEGAN sponsored podcast. And uh, especially because you are a candidate to become the next president of our NASPEGAN society, what do you think NASPEGAN has meant to you thus far in your career? I would say everything. Uh, I feel very fortunate that I picked a subspecialty of medicine that had a society that was NASPEGAN that is like NASPEGAN. There really is almost no other pediatric subspecialty society like it. Um, I, I dare say there is no other subspecialty society like it. So what is NASPEGAN? It is where you belong. If you are a pediatric gastroenterologist, it is where your uh, colleagues are who are doing it all around the country and, and in Canada. I know so all, and then to some extent all around the world, because I think it, there is this international uh, lens that, that NASPEGAN gives you too. Um, I have always considered it very important to uh, see my specialty, you know, practice, whether that's what I'm doing literally in the clinic or the research I was interested in, or, or, you know, even just sometimes random scientific questions as you watched all this uh, emerging around the microbiome. And we started realizing how, how important that was. Who do I talk to about that? And that was not just with my colleagues uh, locally. And I happened to be in Boston where I had a lot of colleagues locally. Um, but it's really uh, that chance to go and be involved in, in, in communities and dialogue and really exciting conversations with people uh, to recognize that this, this wasn't just ha- happening in Boston. It's been happening everywhere. <laughs> and we were, we were doing it together as a, as a society, as a community. So, um, so for me, NASPEGAN is, is really a special, special uh, society. And it has um, absolutely fueled my passion for what I do, has, has allowed me to grow as a pediatric gastroenterologist, has networked me in ways that I, I, I think you, you don't even appreciate until um, you, you try to reflect back on all the different ways that people are connected. So, so yeah, everything. Dr. Saps, what do you think? I see Naspigan as a whole, not just something that it's important for my career. So as somebody who came to this country in my 30s, and I have my old friends from school back at home in Uruguay. And then my, my new friends who I made uh, here in the US, I cannot think of any friend who is not a member of NASPIGAN. You know, over the years through my training and then as an attending and as a mentor, I met so many smart and nice people with whom I share values, passions, hobbies, and over time, life experiences, who many of them became great friends and they're all members of NASPIGAN. For me, NASPIGAN is a lot. I start coming to the meetings in 1995. That's maybe even more time that some of our members were not born at that time. <laughs> and I was struck since the beginning by the sense of camaraderie, how, how much you could learn. And that actually, in my case, it solidified my desire to continue in this field and even to immigrate to the US to be close to the world expert. And looking back, I think I made one of the best decisions of my life because it allows me to focus my career, develop my passion, but also to build great friendships. And there is something that sometimes we take it for granted. 
And something it's unique for Naspigan that you, you cannot see in every society. It's such a nurturing place that allows us to learn from the world experts, to engage into deep conversations and discussions, but always in a friendly and respectful way. And that's something unique. We can question the evidence, the way we practice. We can discuss many deep things over a beer or just with friends or within the sessions. And in that way, I think with the energy and passion of all of us, we get to advance the knowledge of the field we all love. Sorry, my dog barked there. Oh, I could see that. I could hear yeah. that. Kobe was so excited about uh, your answer. He just couldn't contain himself. So oh, I apologize. So that was an exciting bark. Oh, okay. yeah. I, I'm not that good with dogs. So I... He was pretty much saying like he completely agrees. He's really excited. Oh, it's a, it's it's a lot conveyed in a short bark. So the annual meeting is a big deal. It's actually when we released our first podcast episode with Carlo Di Lorenzo. Crazy. Um, do you have a, which might be my favorite memory, by the way, was releasing the podcast <laughs> and, you know, all of, all of the fame that came along with that. Just kidding. <laughs> um, but do you have a favorite Naspigan annual meeting memory? So, you know, my age, memories are failing. So it's <laughs> difficult to identify a single moment in 25 years. So I have been in more than half of all the meetings at Naspigan uh, ever held. But still, you know, I will tell you what I keep enjoying. The part I love the most is the year in review. It's so well done. It's not an easy job to summarize so much in such a short period of time and while keeping it in fun and engaging. However, if you press me for a particular moment to identify one, something that stands out, I will go with something that happened only a couple of years ago here in the meeting in Hollywood, a few blocks from where I live now. And that was something that you were part of it and you made me, you know, part of that embarrassment, embarrassment because no, no. Peter, yeah, yeah, yeah. Peter and other 30 members of Naspigan. And that was the first time my wife came to a meeting. So you put me in that bad situation and the spot. So my wife and I sang and danced Despacido in a very spirit karaoke over some beers and some other things that I don't know what they were. I cannot identify <laughs> either. And in that time, people could see how and could tell that I'm only second generation of Latin America. <laughs> because in my blood, there is nothing in my genes that you can tell that I'm from Latin America if you see how I dance. You know, I come from a country where tango is as big as Argentina, and Uruguay is big in tango. We have the biggest singer in tango. But if you see me dancing or any of the other Latin American uh, music, you cannot even tell if I'm dancing or if I'm not. So... What's worse than everything else is that I continue doing it. So I have no shit. <laughs> I still have fun, have fun. So if you come to the next in-person meeting, whenever it's the next one, hopefully soon, you're going to be able to make fun of me when I try to dance and, and probably we're going to cry together at the same time. We have some. So, okay, just to clarify, for those of you who were not there, it was really Naspigan's fault for hosting the annual meeting in a hotel, which is beautiful that had a karaoke bar in the hotel lobby. Dr. Saps and his wife sang a duet. Um, they sang Despacito one night. It was incredible. I mean, like a really magical moment. When we go to promote this podcast, do you think we can dig up some recording? <laughs> I literally do. I do have pictures. Um, I have to dig to see if I have videos. But <laughs> All right, Dr. Lightdale, on to you. If you look back over all the annual meetings you've attended, do you have one favorite meeting or any specific memory that stands out as something that's just been your favorite? 
No, I can't. I, I, that's like impossible. You love them all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, I think uh, actually the year flips around so quickly that, you know, it's almost hard to, to really think of one specific meeting. I can tell you, I'll, um, my family knows I say I'm going to Aspigan and they often know I am now gone for four to five days straight. Don't expect me back and frankly, don't even try to find me because I'm usually <laughs> quite, quite busy. Um, but, uh, you know, what I will tell you, there are highlights of every meeting now that have come to mean a lot. So, so personally, I really love the award ceremony on an annual basis. Um, it's, it's absolutely something I'm, I'm looking for and I cry a lot usually at it, listening to all the careers. It's pretty dramatic stuff to realize uh, what people are doing. It's fun to see the young people getting awards because, you know, that you're going to watch this long enough and they're, they're actually going to be up there getting the, the distinguished career awards and the, you know, the lifetime achievement awards someday. So you're really seeing the future. You're seeing, um, you're hearing about people's careers. Often people you've come to know, um, in different ways, you know, your mentors, uh, maybe their mentors. Um, so that, that's exciting. Uh, so I really love the award ceremony. You know, I've, I've been involved in NASPGAN now for a while actively, and you start to feel like you're a special person. But the truth is, everybody in NASPGAN feels like they're a special person in NASPGAN. That's the kind of society it is. Um, but yes, everybody's special. So my funny memory once was um, the first time we went to Utah. Um, they have uh, the, the big hotels that were put up for the Olympics that they were able to use. So one is called the Grand America Hotel. And then one's called the Little America Hotel, which and they were both very affordable. And I, I was young enough, and I said I'll stay at the Grand America. Actually, I think I took a taxi with Alan Leitner, my you know my chief. He he actually went to the Little America, and I went into the Grand America. <laughs> but I, <laughs> I had the budget. And um, anyway, I went in and I check in, and they give me my room key, and I go up to the room, and it was enormous. It was it was huge. It was like I had a suite, and I said, wow. I must be special. They must have put me on some VIP list or I'm like, you know, some special honor. And it, and it, it turned out every room in that hotel was the same scale, the same size. <laughs> and everybody, <laughs> everyone had the feeling of they had been upgraded in some way. And that turned out even at the little America, the little America. Turned out to be <laughs> anyway, we, we actually went back, not the following year, but the year out, they booked it again because everybody was like just feeling really treasured. So. Yeah. So future then, then we decided we to move on. No, I think we <laughs> should go back. I know. No, we should no. go back. I it's go probably to time. City. Yeah. It's probably time. Probably time. But yeah, no, that was fun. Um, so what do you want the future of NASPGAN to look like? Like, what do you think we should be working on as a community? NASPGAN is going to have to continue to adapt. I think one thing NASPGAN is good at is adapting. You're seeing it changing all the time. Healthcare in general in the U.S. is, is in a very difficult place. Canada seems to have it better figured out, but I think they are also having some stressors. And NASPGAN is going to have to be part of making being in medicine better for us in pediatric GI. So, so I think the future of NASPGAN is to figure out how to do that well for people. Um, and and there, there are lots of aspects to that, but, um, but I think for NASPGAN to, um, to, to lead in the future, it has to continue to recognize the needs of its members are great. One of the fascinating parts of NASPGAN has been its ability, but now it's, need, it's a continued need to recognize that people are really going to super specialize within our subspecialty. So we're already a very small subspecialty, but you're really 
seeing this um, this this uh, absolute individualization of what people do in their careers. Is it academic? Is it in practice? Those are those are probably two bifurcations. But really, is it the lumen, the liver, pancreas? Uh, you know, uh, nutrition, a big, a very big piece of the naspigen at the end. And, um, and really, how do we make sure that our society is bringing all of that and keeping it under the same umbrella so we don't become tribalists? The last thing we need in pediatric GI is to feel like one of those dominates the, the rest. We really need to be ecumenical when it comes to, um, to our, how we've all gone about and created careers. So, Dr. Saps? So the mission of NASPIGAN is to be a world leader in research, education, clinical practice, and advocacy. And I think we need to remember those points. We're going through challenging times. You know, in personally, in NASPIGAN and, and the society as a whole, we're going through times that are difficult. But the way I see life and all my, see, my years is that when there are challenges, there are opportunities. And for many years, we have been discussing whether telehealth should be done, how should be done. And if the people are gonna, is gonna, are they gonna accept it or not? And that discussion is over. Now physicians across the world now they are comfortable with online uh, platforms, and I think that gives us a big opportunity, opens a big opportunity because now we can reach to uh, practitioners who were not able to come to our meetings before. Now we can reach to pediatricians, uh, pediatric gastroenterologists, nutritionists, uh, psychologists, nurses across the world with our message and they can listen to our experts. So in that way, we can, uh, we can continue with the mission of education of NASPIGAN, but in the other hand, that will help us financially too, that not something to disregard. I think we should continue on that route. We should continue with online meetings, with mixed meetings, not just online in the future, because I think the social part and, the, and how we enjoy it all together is something that it's invaluable. But I think that we can do more online CME credited meetings, such as NASPIG and Grand Rounds. Each of the, the committees can uh, come up with their own uh, meetings for advances in their own field. And that way, you know, have our message across the world. But also I think that um, we should only reach out to all these uh, uh, physicians who are across the world, but also we should reach out to other societies. For example, the adult societies, adult GI societies. When I have my chronic patients who I love so much and I have to transition them as an adult, frequently I'm in this stressful situation in which there is an uncertainty. Am I going to find an adult GI who understands the patient, who can put ambition the patient as a whole, starting from childhood to adulthood, not just somebody who takes the history and the medical history is three months from the 35th birthday that they can understand and can explain to the patient that whatever they have now makes some sense in the context of their own life, who can talk to families, who can communicate appropriately, who can understand the way we practice. So I think we need to have, working with adult societies, we need to have a list of, uh, of adult GI who are able and willing to uh, take uh, care of our patients. I've, I've done it in ANMS when I was a pediatric counselor there. I had to confess I wasn't the nicest guy because I keep going with the same message to adult GI, telling them that we should do research together and we should also combine the way they practice and they should listen from us. They should learn from us. And eventually, I think I got it. Maybe they got bored, but we were able with the ANMS and to change the curriculum 
that afterwards was adopted everywhere in the world in which the adult GI, now they need to know at least something about pediatric GI in motility and uh, neurogastroenterology, and they should know how to talk to families. So at least a message got across. But not only with that society, we need to increase relations. We need to increase relations with other uh, sister societies, Latin American society, other societies. We need to, we, I think we have a big opportunity there. Many of the Mexican pediatric GI, most of them, they are not members of NASPIGA. We can enlarge our membership by reaching out to them, by making really appealing to them to be part of it. But not just a practitioner PGI from Mexico, but from some other parts of the world. So that will also help us, not just education, but also will show how inclusive we are, how we, we believe in the integration of the care of different countries. And in, along that, those lines, we should strengthen our relations and make guidelines that they are resonate across different countries and societies. We should listen to each of them because some of the countries, even the members of NASPI and Canada and Mexico, some of the problems may be common, but they may have particular issues that I think we need to actively listen and try to incorporate to our practice. This is too much to say in just a, a quick answer, but I think that we should continue doing that. We should continue to advocate for our patients and families, and families, our members in private practice and academic environments, and show the world like something of the values that we have, that I, I think we all agree among our members, is that we believe in the tolerance, equality, equal access to care, and to take care of all children regardless of their means. We've been asking all of our guests kind of the same final questions. Um, obviously, you know, uh, Jen and I are much more junior in our careers. Starting my first faculty job next month. Yeah, it's super exciting. So what advice do you have for trainees and uh, more junior faculty? I, I think something that worked for me and I enjoy, and I think it's important, it's to follow your passion and have fun. You need to have fun in what you do. If you don't enjoy what you do, you're not going to be good at that. But it's not enough. Not just enjoying and having the passion, you also have to persevere. Because throughout life, you're going to have setbacks. There are going to be moments that are going to be more difficult than others. Either a patient doesn't do as well as you, as you would expect, a grant doesn't, it's not granted, or many other things that may happen. But I think that the message is if we keep persevering and we believe in ourselves and what we do, eventually we're going to succeed. And I'm as confident with this as a personal level as, it, as with nothing. I know we're going to continue succeeding. I know we are going to continue leading the, the world in pediatric gastroenterology and we have a bright future. Dr. Lightdale, how would you answer that question? So I would say that it's really important to try not to close doors, that, that you will find that people will try to open doors for you, that they see a path that you can go on or an opportunity. And um, it's really important to try to listen to them and, and to walk through that door. Uh, and you just don't know what that's going to lead to. And sometimes it won't make sense to you. When, when I first got interested in um, sedation, Somebody said, oh, that sounds like patient safety. That's becoming a hot thing. And I said, no, no, I, I really want, just want to study sedation. And they said, no, no, you want to study patient safety. And I didn't quite get it, but I walked through the door. Maybe it was prodded through the door. And, you know, and, and that concept that people are going to see it in a way that you're not expecting or you don't quite get is something you have to be open to. And you walk through the door and you'll see, see what's next. 
Thank you all for joining us for this special episode. Don't forget to vote. Yeah, I think that's important. You should be getting an email ballot from Margaret and um, don't forget vote. to vote. Because voting is important. The future is in your hands. Every vote counts. And if you don't already, be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at at Sounds and on Facebook at at Pediatric GI Podcast for latest news and episodes. If you like what you heard and want to support the podcast, it would really help us out if you did one or all of the following three things. One, tell a person about the podcast. Two, leave a review on Apple Podcasts to help us get discovered. And three, on our Buzzsprout page, there's a link to support the show by making a donation to the Naspigan Foundation. And as always, the discussion views and recommendations of this podcast are the sole responsibility of the hosts and guests and are subject to change with advances in the field. Thank you all for listening. Until next time, bye for now. Bye.